Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best way to keep up with the world of professional men's volleyball. Today, we're going to be talking some Italian league, some very interesting games happening over the past 10 or so days. Not going to talk too much about Poland, maybe talk a bit about Russia as well, some interesting results in the Russian Men's Super League. And maybe just talk about the state of volleyball right now in general. So wherever you guys are, in the car, doing a workout, just chilling at home. Hope you enjoy the podcast. So let's start somewhere a little different today. Let's start in Russia, because I told you guys before the season started, the Russian Super League, I mean, it's always a very competitive league, but I feel like this year especially, uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of competitive teams. I mean, Zenit Kazan, Zenit St. Petersburg, Kuzbaz, Kemerovo, Fekil Novi Urengoy, Dynamo Moscow, Lokomotiv, Novosibirsk, Belgari Belgorod, Ural Ufa. I mean, like eight, seven, eight, like really competitive, amazing, highly talented teams, which goes to show, I mean, there's, there's talented foreigners for sure on those teams, but a lot of very good Russian players filling the ranks as well. And also this season, um, all the matches being shown on YouTube, which is pretty crazy. Maybe not, not every single match, but all the matches are on TV Start and all the live matches on tvstart.ru. So pretty cool stuff. I don't believe it's geoblocked anywhere as well. If you uh, are trying to watch and you do find out it's geoblocked, let me know. But I know from where I am in Luxembourg, it's totally fine. I believe when I tried it from Canada as well, it's okay. So Russian League, really competitive, really accessible. But I've said that before. And uh, I think Zenit Kazan losing in the Champions League last year gave a lot of these other teams some hope. And they loaded up their rosters, maybe a bit more than usual. Unfortunately for those other teams, though, Zenit Kazan uh, seems to be on the path they usually are, starting the season out at 5-0. Bartosz Bednorz has fit right in. Maxi Mikhailov is back to his old ways over at the opposite position. If you guys weren't paying attention last year, if you remember, Sveden Sokolov, Bulgarian opposite, came to Zenit Kazan. I mean, extremely talented player, one of the best opposites in the entire world. But that meant Maxi Mikhailov had to change positions. Or, or one of them did. But uh, I guess Maxi Mikhailov was more of a fit, they, uh, they thought, at position four. So they tried it out. Did not work. They got knocked out by Yastrzemski Vigil in Champions League. They were doing very well in the Russian League. But uh, they had lost the finals of that too the year before in Kemerovo. So maybe maybe some other teams see some opportunity here. But yeah, Bednor is playing really well so far. Maxi Mikhailov playing well so far, scoring four points per set on a fairly efficient 52% attacking percentage. So pretty solid for him. And, and the stat I like to see, only one reception. So he's back back to his usual self. Zenikazan faced off against uh, another high-profile signing opposite, Ivan Zaitsev, joining Kuzbas Kemerovo, leaving Morena. Morena, unfortunately, was very affected by the coronavirus pandemic, couldn't afford to keep Zaitsev, who apparently said before the season that he needed to pay the mortgage on his house. And, and who has money to pay Zaitsev? Kemerovo, who swapped him out for Viktor Politeev. 
who's also among the lead, leading scorers over in Zenit St. Petersburg. Anyway, Zenikazan versus Kuzbas Kemerovo, very anticipated matchup, a repeat of the 2019 Russian finals, which was the last time that we had a Russian finals. And Zenikazan really uh, took it to the next gear and showed why they are the dominant team in Russia, the team to beat still 10 years later. And it's not like they completely beat down on Kemerovo, even though this was a three-set game. I mean, it's classic Zenikazan style. They're never going to blow you out, but they just keep chipping away. They're a really t tough team to uh, break. They're really good at siding out. They don't lose a lot of silly balls. They get a lot of continuations, get a lot of digs. I mean, especially with, like, that's an insanely good back row with Irvin Engapet back there, as well as Alexander Bukko and Bartosz Bednorz. Valentin Golubev so a tough team to score on and they know if the rally is the longer the rally goes on the better chance they have of winning the points and that's what happened here Maxi Mikhailov the leading scorer for Zenit Kazan 15 points 13 for 24 not the most efficient but a good blocking performance from Zenit Kazan overall nine blocks for the team on the other side of the net Maxi Mikhailov's opponent Ivan Zaitsev is probably the best statistical player on that team 16 points 16 for 26 attacking but did get blocked three times as Zaitsev tends to do and even though Evgeny Sivoshelas played pretty well in this one I still think Kemerovo's biggest question mark is going to be their outside hitters they started with Alexander Markin in this one subbed out for Karpukov in the third set if you remember last year Karpukov was generally the full-time starter and both those guys are good players, but if you put them in the conversation against guys like Irvin Engaped and Bartosz Bednorz, yeah, there, there's definitely no comparison there, and that showed in this game. Basically, it seemed like Kemerova was playing with only two wing spikers the entire game. Another interesting result in the Russian Super League came on the 17th of October between Fekel Novi Urengoy and Ural Ufa. Fekel Novi Urengoy, of course, lost, I think, their best player to Zenit St. Petersburg in the offseason. Seems like a lot of teams got poached by ZSP. Uh, Igor Kliuka leaving the team. However, I really liked the guy who was backing the third outside hitter in Fekel Novi Urengoy last year, Dennis Bogdan. Actually ended up playing quite a, quite a bit, kind of coming in as a sub, playing some games to refresh Kaliuka and Dmitry Volkov and played a really good game in this one 10 for 15 hitting going along with Dmitry Volkov's 12 for 19 so very very efficient game for your outside hitters really tough to win if your two outsides are both above 60 percent and I, and I like the way that Timothy Zukowski is uh, running this team it's pretty impressive to go from kind of a backup setter in Italy to kind of like a low tier starter and now you're leading a playoff team in the Russian league and not backing down at all um, you know definitely not the best setter in the league by any means but he's a bit of an offensive threat he's not setting the prettiest balls but they're getting where they need to be and when you have really athletic big attackers like Dennis Bogdan Dmitry Yakovlev and Maxim Zigalov uh, you have a bit more leeway than playing with some more finesse guys that might be present in other leagues on the other side of the net Earl Ufa a team that I actually really liked this offseason I mean they signed Gord Perrin 
which I thought was a fantastic signing for them. You know, it's I think a lot of Russian teams undersell themselves by not getting a second foreigner, so they're pairing him next to Machi Muzai. Unfortunately, Gord Perrin has struggled with attacking a bit, which we've we've seen from him a little bit the past uh, you know eighteen months or so. You know, still an excellent passer, especially can considering his size. Still an excellent blocker, good server, but for some reason the attacking doesn't quite seem to be there. Uh, only hitting five for twelve in this one, getting blocked four times and also an air. And then Manchi Muzai, who was tested positive for coronavirus, has been recovering for the last little while, made his return in this one, only playing a bit of the third set though, hitting three for five. But you can kind of see how much this team relies on Machi Muzai for offense. He was one of the leading scorers in all of Russia before it went down, had a couple monster games. So yeah, hopefully Ural Ufa can remain in the playoff hunt while Machi Muzai continues to recover, and it looks like he, he's going to get there sooner rather than later. They're going to need to win some games quick, though, only at 1-4 and four in the league right now. Another team that's been struggling a bit, who I expect to make the playoffs, is Belagiri Belgorod, who's the young Pavel Tatyukin has been doing really well for so far. However, the team sits at 1-3 and three right now with a couple kind of brutal losses, one to Orenburg, the new team in the Superliga, and the other to Krasnoyarsk, who usually is not a playoff team. So I think uh, Gabrielli Nelly, their new addition, has not been fitting in that well, and just the team needs to get some wins as well if, if they want to make the playoffs. So that's it from Russia. I, I uh, highly recommend you guys go check out some games. Maybe even the easiest team to watch, easiest league, sorry, to watch this year. In Poland, in the Plus Liga, we do not actually have that many matches. They're still dealing with a lot of teams being quarantined due to this, uh, you know, thing called the coronavirus that we've all had to deal with a little bit the last few months. But there were a few games played. Rostovia got back on track a bit here, beating newcomer Stalniasa 3-1. And the lineup they brought out, I think, is probably my favorite iteration of the lineup so far. Nicholas Szczesin played a really good game, outside hitter position, 17 for 27, attacking 63% attack percentage, 48% efficiency. And he was joined by Clement Chebulge, as the other outside hitter, and a sorry to Robert Todd. I think he's a great player, but I think the higher firepower of those two guys makes up for maybe the better defensive play scrappiness that Robert Todd brings to the court. It's unfortunate, um, but he'll definitely still see playtime this year, but I'd say the best lineup is Szczesin, Chebulge, and then Carol Butrin at the opposite position. And uh, yeah, no Fabian Drija in this one but it didn't matter against Staldiasa, who's struggling a little bit to uh, find the ability to score. Their wing spikers only scoring on 32 of 69 attacking. So yeah, that, that's a tough, tough sell when you're not hitting that well. And I, I'm, I'm going to give some of the blame for Marcin Komenda. I don't think he's really playing at the level that got him as one of the spots on that VNL team that won bronze at Nations League in 2019. I think his setting is a little imprecise right now. 
His decision-making is fine, though. I mean, there's not too many options for him to go to. The set dis distribution was pretty much as standard as you can get, but maybe I could see a few, a few more balls going to uh, behind him to Wasim Bentara or Mihal Philip, whichever uh, guy is in that night. And, and personally for me, I actually really like Wasim Bentara. I remember him watching him a couple years ago in Chaumont. I thought the guy had a lot of potential, and a couple years later, he's a little more tuned up. He's a little sharper. I think he could definitely be the starter this year over Mihal Philip, which is you know maybe a controversial thing to say, but I think we saw in this game with Bentara, it was probably their best wing attacker. Versalva is finally back after what seems like a while. It almost feels like this like it's like the first game they've played all season. Um, a few takeaways from this one. Definitely Versalva looked a little rusty overall. However, Jakub Zabrowski, who was probably the biggest question mark on Versalva this year. I mean, a lot of teams, I guess, approach Versalva being like, okay, let Zabrowski do whatever he wants. All we need to do is shut down Schwolek and Schelpek. They're basically playing against two wings here. But if he can play, have games like this where he's hitting 10 for 18, then I think uh, Versalva is kind of a pretty strong threat as long as Arthur Schalpuk, who really stunk the bet in this one, and to be honest, has kind of not been playing well this entire season. Only hitting 8 for 20 with two blocked attacks for a 30% hitting efficiency, which is not too bad, when, but considering your team's hitting 46%, it's a little bit rougher when you look at it that way. And Schalpuk, I mean, he's a really good player, obviously, but I think he may have been a bit overrated by being a starter on that world championship team in 2018. I mean, all credit due. Maybe he wasn't the main featured player of that team, but he was still played an important role. But I think, he, you know, that he's not as good as a starter, a starter on a world championship team implies. I mean, if you were to look at it now, would he be starting for Poland? I mean, there's a very good chance he would not even be on the team they bring to the world championship were it to happen right now. I mean, Wilfredo Leon and Mihal Kubiak, obviously, but right now, like you probably take Schlifka ahead of him. You probably take Schwolek ahead of him and you might even take Fornal, Bednorz, actually definitely Bednorz. Uh, yeah, I forgot about Bednorz, the way he's playing for sure. So yeah, I mean, Schalpuk, a bit of a right place, right time, I think without world championship MVP still. Still a great server, still a great blocker. But, I mean, the two main parts of playing volleyball for an outside hitter, passing and especially hitting has been a bit rough for him. He has a tendency to not see the block, you know, especially the outside block. He gets blocked a lot one-on-one, -on -one, which you do not like to see. Usually, you want your wing spikers to see a one-on-one -on -one and, you know, force the blocker to read it perfectly to get the block. And, and most of the time, you're scoring on that, but hasn't really been the case for Schalpuk recently. And now, finally, we're gonna talk a bit about Italy. I definitely can't go over everything because there were like two or three match days, I think, since I did the last podcast. Oh, by the way, we didn't end up going to Milan, so unfortunately, didn't get to see the volleyball there. We went to Malta instead, which does not have as good volleyball, but has much better sun. Highly recommend. Anyway, let's talk about Italy game I watched a couple nights ago, Perugia versus Trentino, and another loss to another big team for Trentino. So, I mean, it was close. It was close. It was closer, I think, than the 3-1 score um, portrays. They got off to a really, really good start, 
However, they just get stuck sometimes. They can't, I mean, against Perugia, it's really tough because Perugia is just like the best breakpoint team in the entire league. But for some reason, Trentino, you know, is struggling to side out a bit, which, which happened last year as well. And it kind of made sense last year because they didn't have the best passers with Aaron Russell and to a lesser extent, Eros Kovacevic. They didn't have uh, an opposite that could, they, they could really throw it to at any time in Luca Vittori. But I mean, now they don't have those excuses. They have great passers in Riccardo Lucarelli and Salvatore Rossini. They have Namir Abdelaziz, one of the best opposites, maybe the best one in the entire world. Albeit maybe, okay, maybe not the best out-of-system opposite in the entire world, but still an extremely effective out-of-system player relatively. So I'm not saying it's Gianelli that is the issue with Trentino's side-out percentage, but he does seem to be the common link across a few of these Trentino teams and maybe even some Italian teams. I think he's a really great setter in the net, really creative. I mean, still one of the best setters in the world, obviously. But maybe he does struggle a little bit with decision-making in side-out scenarios. I would like to see him force the middle a little bit more like Bruno Christensen and Tony Udi do and Maruf as well. I think he's a little hesitant to do that. Maybe playing with guys like Lizanac and Podrashanen will give him a little more confidence. But I love when those guys really keep the defense on their toes and you know are able to set the middle a lot from the attack line however definitely can't blame Gianelli for this one I mean Riccardo Lucarelli we have to talk about it he is not having the best little stretch here in this game five reception errors five attacking errors and only hit three for 14 so yeah uh it, it honestly it didn't look as bad when I was watching it until I, I saw the box score but yeah probably one of the worst games that will happen in the entire Superliga this season. And I'm not sure what it is too, because he, he looks to be jumping fine. His form on everything looks okay, but it's just not together for him so far. I wonder if there's a factor of him playing away from home, whether there's some nagging thing from his Achilles injury that's popping up now. But I mean, they don't really have a guy in backup for Trentino, which usually Trentino keeps the third outside hitter on the roster. But I guess they had a lot of confidence or not enough money to get a third one this year. So we'll see what happens because they are really, really relying on Lucarelli to be a big, big part of their team this season. Not much to say on the other side of the net other than Wilfredo Leon continues to be amazing. Four aces, 12 kills, and a block. Roberto Russo was also all over the net in this one. Five blocks for him. Uh, I like Perugia always, you know, they kind of have this rotating cast of uh, Italian middles and it doesn't matter who it is. They just kind of fit in, get a few blocks. You know, they're not getting more than five sets, but but they're going to be all over the net and that, that's all they're in for. Teister Horst continues to lock it down at opposite. Still no Shawan Red and Evans, uh, sadly enough in this one. And yeah, the other takeaway I had from this game is Dragon Trevica, I think. Uh, he was the big question mark going into the season. Obviously, very decorated, very legendary setter, but uh, hadn't really had the best track record in the last few years. On a creativity and technical level, he's definitely no Luciano De Checo, but he played quite well in this one. You know, it's a, it's an easy job setting for Perugia, but he's making the most of it, playing hard. He's becoming a, a little bit of a leader out there, being the veteran on the team, and I think. Uh, I can't quite call this question settled, 
but he's certainly making a positive impact on the team so far. Another, probably one of my favorite stories that I talked about in my last podcast, but if you guys aren't on the Arthur Schwartz at Opposite Hype Train, we're at the last stop, we're at the last station. We're going on our journey. We're going Arthur Schwartz, MVP of the Italian Super League, which is not something I thought I would say uh, at the beginning of the season. In fact, I wonder, I wonder what the odds would be on Arthur Schwartz, MVP, if you, if you asked. If you try to take a bet out at the start of the season, probably something like one in like 100,000. Not sh- even sure off the top of my head if a middle has ever won MVP in the Italian Super League. But anyway, he is not playing middle right now, no. The Ontario native has switched to opposite, and he looks like he's pretty much saving top Valley uh, Latina slash Esterna's season. I mean, they're on a bit of a roll here. They beat Monza 3-1 with full points, so not really a team they were expected to beat. And he, he, he kind of, you know, fits in really well because Rendazzo plays, Tilly plays. He kind of got the offense-defense thing going on the wings. They don't have to play Cavuto as much, who was definitely looking like their weakest link, and they don't have to play... Samuel Onwello, who was also really struggling uh, in the early season. But Schwartz, another MVP against Monza, hitting 18 for 32 with an ace, a block. Unreal. I mean, at this rate, like he's going to be a contender to be an opposite, starting opposite on the Canadian national team at the Olympics, which is also absurd to consider. I mean, I hope Glenn Hogue is watching these games right now because this is, this, is, this is a little crazy. But well done for Latina. We were, I, I told you guys I was worried about them at the beginning of the season. But they seem to be back, uh, bouncing back all right here on the back of a very unlikely hero in Arthur Schwartz. I mean, obviously, still have a long way to go. This is their first win. But, you know, forgive me for being excited. On the other side of the net, Adis Lagumzija has been very erratic. I mean, I've talked about him before. Been really high on him before. But he, he does seem to, every third game, he seems to have, like, just can't really find his way around the block. Just it, it isn't, isn't, doesn't quite have the vision yet. He definitely has the athleticism. He has the skill. But vision is something that takes a really long time to develop. And it's something you don't really see as much. It's not as obvious. But you can tell some of the veteran opposite players are just so good at predicting, you know, where the block's going to be within a few centimeters. And He'll get there, but it's not there yet. Anyway, 12 for 34 in this one for getting blocked three times and one attacking air. However, he's not the wing I really want to talk about. I think another wing on Monza that's kind of gone under the radar because he was a young guy who I really liked, played with Ole Plotnitski on that really fun team a couple years ago where they're kind of the really young, like 19, 20-year-old outside hitters that were in the top Italian league and uh, beating guys who, you know, they were not expected to beat. That's Donovan Zavaronic, the Czech outside hitter, who I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of at fault for hyping him up because I, you know, I had him touted as this big prospect, and talked to a lot of people about him, but I don't know if, if he's really improved as much as we, he uh, we thought he would in the last couple of years, and I mean he, he's another one one of these big outside hitters who just doesn't really seem to show it in the efficiency category. I mean he's hitting like 40% for a lot of games which for a guy of his size, an outside hitter, I mean, that's the reason why, like, usually the big outside hitters, they're going to sacrifice reception a bit, but they're going to be able to bang balls. They're going to be able to get easy tools. They're going to score those extra points that the the small guys, you know, have to work really hard for. But it almost seems as a couple of these guys are, are better uh, passers than they are hitters. And I mean, 
Zavaronic's good, but he's not, you know, he was, even when he was at the start, you ne- knew he was never going to be the biggest jumper. You, he's not jumping out of the gym. He's not attacking at 370 centimeters. But I think his attacking technique uh, needs a bit of work here. I think he, ne- he needed to play with Ole Plotnitschke a couple more, more seasons, see how he adjusts in the air, see how he finds angles, how he's not afraid to hit really hard into the block. Okay, you get blocked a few times. But Zavaronic seems to lack a bit of punch on his hits. And I don't think really that many people are talking about it. I think a few people are starting to notice. Because I think because he's such a young guy that he's kind of flown under the radar a bit. But I believe he's turning 22 this year. so Or 21 or 22. So still young, but still definitely can still get there. He's still quite a talented player. But maybe, maybe hasn't made as much progress as we would have liked. The other big story, of course, of course, from Monza has been Filippo Lanza finally joining the team and, you know, struggled a bit outside the gate. Hadn't played volleyball, I think. I mean, he's practiced and stuff, but hadn't played in a real match for quite a long time. First played against Lube, scored four points, then scored nine points in week five with the five-set win over Padova. And how about, I mean, they lost the game, but how about... 21 points, leading scorer for Monza, Filippo Lanza, the libero, the ultimate libero in an outside hitter's body. But the man showed flashes, played a really nice game, played an Italian team Filippo Lanza game. Fortunately, not enough for the team. Like I said, Lagumzija, Zavaronic struggled a, a bit too much in this one. And also Santiago Orduna subbed off in this one for Tomas Galigato, who I, I really don't know much about, but I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Orduna. So yeah, even in the preseason, I, I was I was did not think that was the best signing. And it looks like they're paying the price a bit here. I think there were maybe some better setters they could have got in this market. So to quickly go over some other games here, Piacenza went through the gauntlet the past three weeks losing to Trentino 3-0 losing to Lube 1-3 and losing to Modena 3-0 so yeah looks like they're not really a team that can hang with the elites in the league and so far the guy who's been I mean first of all Jorge Grosier has been injured so that's been a huge factor in all this as well um, you know, he looked like their main offensive option so far. But really, the guy who's been getting a lot, a lot, a lot of the blame has been the setter, Riddle Hirzulo. Who, I mean, I actually thought he was a fairly good signing for them coming in. Definitely, maybe more of a other thing setter. Maybe his setting ability is not the best, but, you know, blocking, attacking, and serving. I thought he, he, he would have helped the team and some, has some fairly easy targets in Aaron Russell, Trevor Cleveno, and. Yorgi Grosier, but so far I'm not sure what it is. Not sure if he was really rusty from the set the summer, you know, just really out of practice. But he has been spraying balls all over the place, not connecting with his hitters at all, barely being able to set the middles. I mean, it, it's been really rough for Hirzulo so far. Maybe it's a good thing that he wasn't part of that Cuban team that almost that sorry that lost to Canada in the January Olympic qualifiers because yeah. He was looking pretty rough out there, and he was benched completely in this game for a relatively no-name uh, setter, Marco Izzo. So what's going to happen with Piacenza? Because 
They spent a lot of money on this team, and I'm sure uh, the status quo is not going well. So what they're doing is bringing in Michelle Branovic, an Italian setter who played in Vibo Valencia last year. So yeah, he would certainly help to shore things up. I mean, it's unfortunate that Hirozula took such a step back this year, but I think uh, Michelle Branovic, 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 sorry, will be a good asset to the team. I still think uh, Piacenza, maybe not a lock for the playoffs after all this, but they still have two wins. They're still they're still in a playoff spot as we speak. So definitely not all doom and gloom for Piacenza. And I'm sure once they start playing teams outside the top few, they'll be fine. But I mean, also on the other side, a great win for Modena. I mean, a team that we said was going to struggle a lot this year. But I mean, fifth place, I think we placed them fairly accurately. Still toying around with the lineup. We've still seen a lot of different looks from them. This game, however, Luca Vittori opposite Moritz Karlitzek, outside hitter. Nemanja Petric, the MVP of the match. The other outside hitter, fortunately, no Luis Elian. So we'll have to wait another day for him. And then, of course, Stankovic and Daniele Mazzone locking it down in the middle. Still definitely a lot of question marks for Modena. Don't get me wrong. But we're, we're slowly starting to see how this will shake out. And I don't think they're a threat to win the title. But, you know, I think I think they're a little better maybe than we gave them credit for. And the last team I'll talk about today, a team that we definitely did not give enough credit to, is uh, Vibo Valencia getting in a crazy five-set comeback win against uh, Ravenna, who's also actually playing pretty well. Bartholomew Chininez has been one of the best middle blockers in the entire league this year. TJ DeFalco getting a lot of sets, getting a lot of attacking attempts, as well as Thibaut Rosart. Kind of an interesting one for Vibo Valencia because they really like to go to those two guys. They really like to go to uh, Thibaut Rosard and TJ DeFalco instead of, and, and kind of limit the opposite a bit, uh, which is Abuba, the Brazilian opposite, who has not been having a crazy offensive season, you know, getting a job kind of done in uh, out-of-system balls, but I think uh, TJ DeFalco and Thibaut Rosard are, are kind of a fun, a really fun, really unorthodox pair of outside hitters. Really tough for the opponent to anticipate. Both of them have so many switch-up moves. Obviously, Thibaut Rosard, a lefty outside hitter, is a pretty rare thing. So I think that really messes with a lot of opponents. And then Enrico Chester, a, you know, pretty top-tier Italian middle, a guy who's played in a lot of important Italian matches for top clubs. You know, definitely coming in at good moments. Really, really, I love his float serve. Really underrated float server. And, you know, definitely it seems to be the leader along with David Seda on this team, the two veterans. Viva Valencia, if you haven't watched them play, I would highly recommend it. Also, if you weren't aware, the Italian league, because there were a few issues with 11 sports, I remember... I think it was a week or two ago. You couldn't watch any of the games. None of the games were loading. I wasn't sure if it was just me, but then I go online and see that pretty much everyone is having the same issue. So yeah, okay, maybe if one satellite's not working, 11 Sports can blame the Superliga. But if obviously if all of the streams are not being delivered on their OTT, then it's definitely 11 Sports' fault. So the Superliga has been streaming on a couple of platforms. I think there's an Italian one. But the major one probably for a lot of you is, is they're streaming on Facebook. So if you go to the Liga Volley, or I think it's called Liga Serie A Facebook page, Liga Volley Serie A Facebook page, then you can watch all the games on Facebook, which is awesome because I know a lot of you want to watch the games but don't want to pay the $5 or whatever a month it is to watch them. So you guys are in luck. 
because you no longer have to hunt for some sketchy YouTube streams. You can watch the full games on Facebook Live as they happen. Of course, I can't go a podcast without mentioning Eric Lepke, who, despite losing the match, was the MVP on this one. Uh, he's been having a, a, f- a few good games, you know, definitely some rookie adjustments to the league, but first MVP of a lot for Eric Lepke, 19 for 39 attacking, a lot the, a lot of out-of-system balls going to him, kind of like TJ DeFalco. He has a really nice switch-up game, really smart attacker, and the serve is starting to translate really well to the Italian Super League. I mean, you saw the numbers serving, I think, you know, 115, 120 kilometers per hour in college. So, yeah, he, he's he's something special for sure. And, you know, coming coming to the season and, and excelling right away, which, which you like to see. However, Eric is not the prospect, not the guy I want to highlight today because your prospect of the week on Cucine Lube Civitanova, Marlon Yant. Check out this stat line. I mean, he only played in the third set of a blowout so can't can't uh he wasn't playing you know in a really important uh points here but five for five attacking a block pretty solid passing five five reception attempts two aces and four serves for a total of eight points you know in just kind of half a set so well done for marlon yant i mean they were, they were kind of cheesing him uh feeding him the ball excessively but yeah only uh 19 years old i believe he he really looks like a star of the future you know, I'm still hesitant to call him the future Wilfredo Leon, but I think we could be looking at maybe a future Yoandi Leal, maybe a future Lionel Marshall, maybe kind of a guy on that tier. Really excited to see how his career turns out. Hope he's getting a lot of good training in Lube. Hopefully he gets to see the court, maybe against some of the lesser teams this year. And, you know, next year I could see him as a starter somewhere in the Superliga for sure. I think he's a better, probably a better prospect than uh, Luis Eliana or, or Luis Sosa for sure. We're running out of time here, so I'm going to skip the uh, nominations for line of the night and just go with the most impressive stat line, in my opinion, and that is from Piotr Novikovsky, the most underrated middle blocker in volleyball, the anchor of the Polish national team with eight blocks against Katowice to go along with seven for eight hitting, no airs, not really any serving stats to talk about, but 15 points with only eight attacking attempts is absurd. That's crazy. I'm actually struggling to think of the last time I've seen a stat line like that. You know, not the fastest guy in volleyball, but man, he, he really plays angles. He really knows how to put the block up, even if his feet aren't in perfect position, but they usually are because the man has some fantastic footwork. Not a player usually that's going to jump off a stat sheet, but when you get eight blocks like this, I... Anytime you get eight blocks or eight aces, I think is you're a heavy contender for stat line of the night. I don't care if you score 30 points because a lot of players need 50 sets to get there, if not more. But when you can score points without even getting the ball, because all those eight blocks, a lot of them are coming as break points as well. So really valuable player. One of the big reasons why they won that game. And, you know, for middle blockers out there, if you want, just go watch some game footage of Piotr Novikovsky. Don't even watch the ball. Just watch his footwork, watch how he reads, watch out where he goes, because he's one of the smartest guys to, out there in volleyball right now. And, you know, obviously very tall, which is very important, but he's not doing it with athleticism or speed. He's doing it with intelligence, getting all those blocks, just with great reads, great footwork. So great job, Piotr Novikovsky, line of the night. But anyway, thanks, guys, for listening to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. Hope 
that gave you a little insight into the world of professional volleyball, what's happening this week. Hopefully, we're able to watch more games this weekend. I'm, To be honest, I'm really surprised that no Italian League games have been canceled yet. We've been getting really lucky in that regard. Same thing with Russian League, uh, the Polish League. I think it's been a bit stricter in terms of coronavirus guidelines, but also they've been getting a lot of infections. Really unlucky with their teams as well. So hopefully we'll have more of that going forward. We also have Champions League, some very exciting groups that, you know, that Moscow versus Trentino group that we've all been looking forward to. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting. Other than that, I hope you guys have a very safe week. Uh, you know, it's not, it's been a week with some, you know, kind of bad news in the rest of the world, but Hopefully professional sports can be a bit of a refuge for people in these uh, tough times because it's very it's been amazing to get back to watching volleyball. I really enjoyed it so far. And uh, if you have any comments, any questions, remember to email me, comment on my Instagram. Uh, I kind of started a TikTok, so 5-1 Volleyball on TikTok or 5-1 VB, one of those two. So I'm testing it out, trying out a few things. So if you want to give that a, uh, a listen or a watch, whatever it is with TikTok, I'm kind of too old for TikTok. So <laughs> it's a bit of an experiment. Not sure if I'll fully follow through with that. But uh, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. There's some funny videos on there. So give that a follow. Um, and I really hope you guys watch some volleyball, uh, talk about volleyball, play some volleyball, maybe in some places, and uh, enjoy your week. Thank you.